Well, good morning, Victory family. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Ensemble, for blessing us this morning. What an exciting morning. I love to see people take their next steps in following Jesus and the baptism this morning. We want to welcome all of you to Victory Christian Center and uh, all of our folks, all of our family watching online. Can we welcome our online campus this morning as well? We welcome you. Um, I'd love for you to pray for me tonight. Uh, I'll be flying to Washington, D.C. Uh, I'll be speaking at the APAC Policy Conference uh, tomorrow. I'll be returning early Tuesday morning. And so there'll be about 20,000 people gathered in Washington, D.C. to strengthen the U.S.-Israel relationship. And so um, I'm excited to be a speaker there tomorrow. So be praying. Uh, I leave tonight. But... Um, it's, God is just doing some amazing things. It's so good uh, to, to be here with all of you this morning. We're wrapping up the series, uh, This Is Us. Uh, today is the last message, and, and I want you to go ahead and turn to Numbers chapter 14 and Joshua chapter 14. Numbers 14 and Joshua 14. Turn there, or if you're using a smart device, click there. Uh, we're going to begin with Numbers 14 and then... Um, quickly read Joshua 14 as well. And so for those of you who, um, who need some time to look those up, go ahead and do that. Today we're going to be looking at the life of Caleb, the life of Caleb, who overcame really some insurmountable odds, some great odds to see a dream, a dream fulfilled. So Caleb was one of 12 men that Moses would send out in Numbers chapter 13. You can read that later on today or later on this week the background to this, uh, to this story. But Moses would t- send out 12 men to spy out, to examine the nature and the state of the land of Canaan. These weren't just ordinary men. These were leaders. Moses uh, chose these leaders. They represented each man, one of the, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Caleb uh, represented the tribe of Judah. And Joshua Another one that we know that was one of these 12 represented the tribe of Ephraim. And so Numbers 13, Moses sends out these men to, to examine the land of Israel, the nature and the state of it. And the reason uh, this is important is because many of us, many of us get stuck in our pain, we get stuck in our past, and we get stuck in our problems, not realizing that what is in us is greater than what's against us. And so we want to look at this story because when these 12 came back, we learned that 10 came back with what we call a negative report. All 12 came back initially saying the same thing. It is a good land. There's milk and honey. There's vegetation. It's amazing. But 10 came back and added something to it. It was this, that there are giants in the land and, and we can't take the land that God said we can take. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but if that was me, I could just imagine Joshua and Caleb. I, I could just imagine probably the way that they were wired. They probably wanted to punch somebody. And it's difficult. It's one thing when, when, you, when you experience a setback because of a poor decision that you make. It's another thing when it's someone else's fault. And so this is what these men were experiencing, and so we kind of find ourselves in Numbers chapter 14, beginning with verse 23. This is what God says about these spies and the children of Israel. They certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those 
who rejected me see it. Except for my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. So God is saying, all of you naysayers, all of you with a negative report, you're disqualified. You won't see the land. But Caleb, the Bible says the only difference, and this is interesting, I don't know if you pick, picked up on this, but the Bible says the only difference between Caleb and the other ten, there was nothing external that was different. The Bible didn't describe Caleb as stronger or more muscular. It wasn't anything mentally that he had greater mental capacity. It wasn't that he was taller than the rest. It wasn't that he was more, more uh, freer than the rest. All the Bible says, the Bible points at something inward. The Bible takes our attention not to anything that was outside Caleb, but to something that was inside of him that was different than the other ten men. And the Bible describes it like this. Caleb had a different spirit. And I wanted to let you know that that's what happens when you and I are born again. That when you and I get born again and Jesus takes up residence on the inside of us, He doesn't promise to, to, to change the externals, but what He does promise is to change the internal, to change a heart, to change a soul, to change a mind, to transform you. When Jesus takes up residence in you, you're talking about the creative force that created the universe. You have the courage of God. You've got the power of God. You've got the faith of God working in you and it makes a difference in the world that you live in. Somebody thank God for, for salvation and the difference that it makes in our lives. So that's what the Bible says was different about Caleb. He had a different spirit. Now let's read Joshua 14. Let's pick up verse 6 and read quite a few verses and then we'll begin to unpack this. So you fast forward from Numbers 14 Fast forward 45 years, and you get to Joshua 14. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me and Kadesh Barnea? He's saying, Joshua, remember when we were 40 years old, 45 years ago? Remember what Moses said in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24? Verse 7 says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. How did they make the heart of the people melt? When you read it in Numbers 13, those people said that there were giants in the land and we appeared as mere grasshoppers before our eyes, is what they said. But I wholly follow the Lord my God. Verse 9. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot, Caleb, has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day. 
85 years young. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore, because of this, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. You heard the testimony of the other ten spies about the giants and the Anakim and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kirjath Arba, and then the land had rest from war. Father, bless your word and our hearing of it in Jesus' name. Moses chooses 12 leaders and sends them on a very important task. Take a trip into our future and come back and report what you see. All of these men had been, have had, had, had the experience of slavery in Egypt. They all come from slavery. They all come from bondage. And now there are free men, externally free, outwardly free. No longer slaves, no longer any pharaoh to rule over them, to dictate to them. They're coming in and they're going out. They're free men on the outside. But only two, listen carefully, unlearned the cage. Only two experience not only freedom on the outside, but they experience freedom on the inside. And can I tell you that there's something completely different between having freedom on the outside and freedom on the inside. You could be incarcerated outwardly and be free inwardly, and you're more free than people that are free outwardly but incarcerated inwardly. And the reason this is so important is because we live in a culture where you're not yet persecuted for your faith. You're not sent into prisons. We don't know what that is. But I'm telling you that it is easy to be confused that although we may be free on the outside, we're not free on the inside. Because I want to submit to you that the reason that all of us are here today, the reason that we've been able over the last 40 years to experience such tremendous growth and possibility and breakthrough and, and miracle here in Youngstown, Ohio on this property is because we've been led by people that have not only been free on the outside, we've been led by people that have been freed on the inside. Because mom and dad, you're of a different spirit. It's not that you were different outwardly from the pastor down the street. It's not that you preached differently or prayed differently. But there was something in you that was different. And the Bible calls it a different spirit. There was something inwardly that was different. And notice that Caleb's spirit was not just different than that of the opponents of God. 
It wasn't that his spirit was just different from the giants. His spirits were different from his brethren. The threat was not from the people on the other side of the team, but from the people of God who didn't believe the word of God. And I can tell you that as a kingdom leader, the greatest opposition that we often receive are not from people on the outside. It's from people that are on the inside that don't believe the word of God. All 12 saw the same thing. But when you're of a different spirit, you see beyond the obstacle, beyond the giants, beyond the wall, and you see the promise of victory. Ten men looked at the obstacles. Two looked up and remembered the waste in Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, the destruction brought about the Philistines, the water from the, ma- the, from the rock, the manna from heaven, and then believed that God was able. Ten men looked at the fortified cities of the giants. Two saw the giants running. They picked out their property. They were going to build their new home on. They saw their vineyards flourishing and their kids running through the yard. What made the difference? Both groups of men saw the same thing. The difference wasn't in their background. They all experienced the great breakthroughs of God. The difference wasn't in what they heard. They all heard the promise of God. What was the difference? The Bible said... Caleb was of a different spirit, and we need to unpack this today, victory, because this is us. You and I are of a different spirit. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're of a different spirit. Okay, now we're going to give you one more chance to say it like you name it. First neighbor was practice. The next neighbor is revelation. You ready? Find a new neighbor. Tell them, you're of a different spirit. Are you ready? Because I'm going to talk about you now. I'm going to talk about you now. Ready? All right, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, thank you. If you're of a different spirit, here's number one, you see different than others see. VCC, you see different than others see. While others see through lenses of doubt, defeat, and fear, you see through faith. Ten leaders blew it for Caleb and Joshua. Ten leaders blew it completely. Caleb could have walked in bitterness. He could have walked in unforgiveness. He could have walked in anger. But he did not let the the past 45 years, his past in Joshua 14, he didn't let 45 years for bitterness to set in, to grow stagnant, to grow stale, because it's one thing, listen, I get it, you're looking up here and you're saying, well, you're 40 years old, that's why you have energy, that's why you still have vision, that's why you're still going after it. Caleb was 85 years old, and what God promised him at 40, it took 45 years to fulfillment, and he could have used his past, he could have grown bitter, he could have grown upset, but I'm just, God just dropped me by here to tell somebody who has had vision for 20, 30, 40 years, you've been holding on for 10, 5 years, hold on, don't grow bitter, take your past and understand 
that God is building a testimony. He's building a story in your life. Free people who were once bound step into areas that others cannot step into. And what you went through will determine where you go to. You will be blessed according to what you went through, but anointed according to what you're going to. And your testimony, sir, your testimony, ma'am, of setback and failure and defeat and pain and abuse, your testimony grants you access to places others cannot enter. Because there is a redemptive purpose for what you've gone through. It wasn't just some serendipitous exercise in futility. It wasn't by coincidence that you went through what you went through. Because for some of you, your setback wasn't your fault. It was the, it was the cause of someone else inflicting pain and inflicting punishment and someone else in sin. But I'm here to tell you that God will redeem what you've gone through to give, grant you access into places that others cannot go. You remember, you remember, it was, um, it was Samson. It was Samson who was attacked by a lion. Was it a lion? And then he, no, he, he, he beat somebody with a jawbone. Can I say it in King James English? He beat somebody with a jawbone, the Bible says, of an ass, a donkey. Um, how did he get that jawbone? Picked it up. He grabbed it. Anyways, here's what, I, here's what I'm trying to say. I, I felt an anointing, and then something happened in my brain. It just it didn't connect. But here's what I want to say. The thing that tried to kill you, destroy you, keep you from moving forward, the thing that could have broken you, made you have lost your mind, made you give up, made you become angry and bitter, God will enable you to pick that thing up and use it as a jawbone to hit the enemy with and say, what you meant for evil, God has turned it around for good. Because God wastes nothing. He works all things together for my good. I know it wasn't good what happened to you. I know it wasn't right what happened to you. No one's saying that. But you serve a God that says, I'll take your story, your setback, your failure, your pain, your abuse, and I'll make something out of it mixed in with my goodness. And it'll work together for my good. Come on, somebody give God a praise break for just a moment. That's why Caleb couldn't stay quiet. He said, I am as strong this day on the day that Moses sent me. I am as strong this day as that day that Moses sent me. You don't see yourself as a grasshopper, Victory Christian Center. We see different. When we think about the future, when we think about what God is doing, we see different. We don't see ourselves as small, as insignificant. We see different. It's not arrogance. It's not natural pride. It's we're of a different spirit. 
And I'm sorry, but I don't see through eyes of doubt and unbelief. I don't see through bitterness. I see through eyes of faith. Do you realize we're living in a moment in history where what we're doing today is not popular anymore? Church in America is on the decline. What am I saying? I'm saying, yeah, there are giants in the land, but God. We're not grasshoppers. We're not grasshoppers. We see different. We look at challenges. We look at obstacles, and we see opportunity. We see an opportunity for God to get some glory. We see an opportunity for the world to wake up and start writing some articles and saying, the church may not be growing in America, but in Youngstown, something is happening. What's going on? There are people. There are people there of a different spirit that see different than others see. Number two, VCC, Coitsville, when you're of a different spirit, you understand that you can't conquer what you don't confront. And I heard the Lord speak this to my spirit last night. He said, the size of the opposition you are willing to confront is an indication of the size of the spirit that you have. And God has given us as a ministry and as a church a spirit to not go after smallness, to not go after mediocre, mediocrity, to not go after status quo and average. But what God has placed in this man and this woman's spirit, what God has placed in your spirit and in my spirit and in the generation that's rising up, He's placed bigness in our spirit because the size of the opposition that we're willing to confront is an indication of the size of the spirit that is in us. Somebody needs to get excited about that. Here's what I'm saying. Don't get confused about the size of the box that my spirit dwells in. I may be five foot nine, about 160 pounds, maybe wet. You may look at me and say, well, there's not much to him, and look at him, he's nice, and all of that. Don't get confused about my height, my weight, my education, my ethnicity. I am here to tell you that inside of me is not just a giant of a spirit. Inside of me is the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the grave with resurrection power. The Godhead dwells in this body. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost is dwelling in this body. And you want to tell me what we're going to go after, what we're going to confront, what mountains we're going to take, what giants we're going to see topple? Let me just see, God, what can you overcome? What mountains can you take? The Spirit is big in this house i'm telling you vcc this is us we've got a big spirit and we're going after big things pastor do you have vision i got vision that freaks me out And if I were to share it with you, it'll freak you out too. I don't want to dream small. I forfeited the luxury of dreaming small.
Because we serve a big God. The bigness of our God, that question was settled on day 140 years ago. Our God is big. I, I don't want to dream small. We've given up the luxury to dream small. I, I want to go after things that, that make me afraid. That when I look at it, I say, I can't, but God, you can. I want to look at things that are above my pay grade, above my education level, above my leadership level. Because it's in those moments that we look to heaven and we say, God, if you don't come down and show up and show off, it cannot get done. But with you, I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. I can do all things through you who gives me strength because greater is you that is in me than he that's in the world. Nothing great is ever done sitting in a rocking chair. The last giant that Israel faced and conquered, the Bible describes him as having a king-sized bed. It was so prophetic because what God was trying to tell Israel that one of the giants you and I are going to have to face is the giant that just wants to lull you to sleep and take the easy road and be lazy and be casual with vision and casual with what God wants to do on the earth today. But what I'm here to tell you is that we are not a rocking chair church because nothing great has ever been done. If you're looking for a cheap way, an easy way, a lazy way to be victorious, you can forget about it Caleb had some great oppositions that he had to overcome and, and, and listen to this the door of opportunity swings on the hinges of opposition and God set it up that way he says there's a great and effectual door open to us, but there are many adversaries. No one said it was going to be easy, but God promised that it will be. Little shepherd boy, rock slinger David had a different spirit. And you understand when you're of a different spirit that when a giant shows up, it's not the moment to throw in the towel or wave a white flag or give in. But you understand when a giant shows up, you realize that promotion is being offered. And you don't flee, you fight. Well, pastor, I decided to get right with God and all of a sudden all hell is breaking loose in my life. Well, congratulations, sister. Promotion is being offered to you. Congratulations, man. Promotion is being offered to you. And we've got to be people that have enough dexterity and enough courage. My God, if the Spirit of the living God is dwelling in your mortal body, He's in you to fight against hell and high water, against giants and take mountains, not to flee, but to fight. All right, five of you got it. That's great. It's not the size of the man in the fight, but the size of the fight. Or woman. It's not the size of the opposition that matters, but the size of the spirit of a man or woman. 
And so because of what's in you, you're willing to conquer what others are not willing to conquer. Caleb was specific. Give me this mountain. Why that mountain? Kirjath Arba. What was special about Kirjath Arba? We know it today as Hebron, 38 miles south of Jerusalem. The whole report, the giants, the grapes, because if you go to the day, today, Hebron is one of the most fertile places in Israel. Vineyards, figs, milk and honey, amazing. So the grapes that they came back with, where they, it took two of them to carry, came from Hebron. You know what else, what else was in Kirjath Arba in Hebron? Giants. It's, it's, what, it's, what canceled, it, it's, it's what canceled the trip to the promised land. It's what delayed it for 40 years. Kirjath Arba is what delayed it. Kirjath Arba is what struck fear into the heart of the people of God. Kirjath Arba is what, what made the ten say, I quit. We're not moving forward. And what I love about Caleb is Caleb didn't say, well, just give me one of the other cities. Give, give me a small piece of property up north by the lake of Gennesaret, Galilee. Give me a piece of property right there on the shore in the Mediterranean. He said, Joshua, you know that piece of property that freaked everybody out? You know that piece of property that, that made men cower in fear? Joshua, you know what made us walk the desert for 40 years? That piece of property where the giants were, the biggest ones, Kirjath Arba literally means city of four. Goliath comes from this family. But Goliath was not from Kirjath Arba or Hebron. When David meets up with them years later, Goliath's home address wasn't Kirjath Arba. You want to know why? We think David is a big deal for taking on one giant. And the reason David had five stones is because he knows where, where Goliath came from. He came from the city of four, originally Kirjath Arba. But Goliath's address at the time he fights David is not Kirjath Arba. Goliath's address is Gath, all the way miles, miles west of Kirjath Arba. You want to know why? Because Caleb said the thing that freaked everybody out, the thing that said no, one able to, is no, no one's able to overtake it, give me this mountain. He was specific. Give me the thing that strikes fear into the hearts of most men and I will take it. And the Bible says that he drove out Goliath, great, 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 great granddaddy Arba and his three sons and said, get out of here. This, is, this does not belong to you. This city does not belong to you. These homes do not belong to you. This property does not belong free to you. These children do not belong to you. And men, I want to rally you this morning that there's got to be a spirit on the inside of you that causes you to raise up and fight for your homes and fight for your families and fight for your children and fight for your city. You know why you can do it? Because you're of a different spirit. Stop comparing yourself to others. We're of a different spirit. We see different than others see. And we confront things that others aren't willing to confront because we understand you can't conquer what you don't confront.
Number three, if you have a different spirit, you understand that you're probably in the minority. Can I tell you that God is with people of faith even if they are in the minority? God is with people of faith even if they are in the minority. God sends out 12, but two came back with a good report. Ten came back focused on the obstacles. Two came back focused on the opportunity. Ten saw giants. Two saw promise. Ten saw themselves as grasshoppers. Two saw the same God that delivered them from Egypt would deliver them to the promised land. Ten looked at this generation and saw drug addicts and gangbangers and delinquents. But God looked into this generation and saw apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. God sees history makers. I can go on. Ten looked at our, you, you, said, you said I could. Ten looked at, our, looked at our broken immigration system and said, we're being flooded. And two looked at it and said, it could be the saving of America. It, it could be that there are men and women coming over. Listen, I don't want to get political, but I'm telling you, there is something in, in, in the spirit of God that the, the only... The, God is stirring up men and women to go after him. I'll move on. Two out of the 12 saw God. Two out of the 12 saw what God saw. Do the math. That's 17%. 17% agreed with God. In other words, 83% saw through the lens of the flesh. 17% saw what God wanted them to see. This is significant. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. You're not part of the pathetic majority. You are part of the prophetic minority. This is us. Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell them, this is us. This is us. We are part of the prophetic minority. You don't walk like the 83%. You don't talk like the 83%. You don't live like the 83%. You don't believe like the 83%. You might be in the minority, but guess who will conquer the promised land? The 17%. say it's okay to have sex before marriage. 17% say, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I will wait. 83% may say that everything changes. Therefore, there is no such thing as definitive truth. 17% say there is a truth that never changes. Even in a world of constant change and flux, there is a constant. Hebrews 3.13.8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. 83% see the giants in Youngstown and says that the best days are behind us. They see a failed public school system. They see a failed economy. They see a failed generation. They see a failed city. But God, there's 17%, the majority of which are here in this building right now, that look at the city of Youngstown and say the best days are ahead of you. There may be giants, but we're giant killers. We're uniquely 
designed, we're uniquely outfitted to take on the giant of poverty and the giant of racism and the giant of, 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 of poor education. You thought everything God wanted to do, he was going to do in these four walls? You thought the most exciting stuff was just going to happen here? We are not called. I'm, listen, church, if I could sum up your Christian experience to be someone that simply sits on the bleachers and cheers on the preacher, if that's the total sum of your Christian experience, you've got to get a life. Some of you are here, and I need to honestly ask you a question. You're not yet born again. What are you waiting for? You come, and I'm so thankful you're here. You come because there's something that's drawing you. There's something that's calling your name. It's not a preacher. It's not the great music. It's the spirit of the living God that's saying, I'm calling you to be a part of the 17%. And you've not yet made a decision to follow Jesus. What are you waiting for? That's a decision you never postpone. That's a decision you never put off. And today, sir, today, ma'am, when we open up these altars and these leaders come up to pray, you need to be one of those ones that makes a beeline to one of those leaders and just tell them, I want to be born again. And God is going to put a different spirit on the inside of you. No longer do you have to live afraid. No longer do you have to live in fear. No longer do you have to live being pushed around by the external realities of your life. You can see different. You can walk different. You can believe different. And God will do something amazing in your life. Go ahead and give him a praise break for just a moment. We got to wrap things up. You know why this is important? Because we are in a season where sometime this year we're going to present to you a report of where we're going as a church. And I'm wanting to remind you of who you are. You are part of the prophetic minority. And we will not get pushback from people out there. If we're not careful, our greatest opposition can happen from people in here. Well, pastor, we just can't do that. Well, pastor, that's just too big. Well, pastor, you just need to slow down. Well, pastor, you just, you just, you just need to take a little bit at a time. And we're going to be presenting some things this year. We're going to go after some things this year. If 20 years from now, 25 years from now, 30 years from now, we're celebrating my successor, my departure, and we look around and in those 30 years, those 25, however many years, our city has remained the same, we failed. We could be running 10,000 people. We could be on TV. 
having a reach farther than our region. We could be popular in different parts of the world. We could be planting churches. But if we do all of those things and our city is still overrun by giants, still has strongholds, I'm telling you, Victory Christian Center, we have failed. God did not call you here just because there's a place for you. God has called you here because there is also a mountain for you. There's also a city for you. There's a place that God wants to put you in to influence and impact for the glory of God. Last point, and we're wrapping things up because we need to. Number four, if you have a different spirit, you understand that timing is more important than time. Boy, did we learn this, Bishop, these last two years. If you're not careful, you can get offended at God because of time. If you're not careful, you can get offended with leaders because of time. You can get offended at God. You can get offended at what's happening. If you're not careful. But see, people of a different spirit understand that timing is more important than time. Timing. Caleb got this. 45 years later, he could have said, well, I guess God isn't going to do it. Because he didn't do it when I thought he would. But he understood that timing is more important than time. Some of you are believing God for major things. You, you would have thought that by now, the marriage would have been healed. The children would have been back. Your finances would have been fixed. You live frustrated because the life that you're living is not the life that you dreamed. And I'm here to tell you that timing is more important than time. That God has a timing element. And yes, maybe there have been some setbacks. Maybe there's been some things that have, that have kept you from moving forward. But I'm here to tell you timing is more important than that. What, what would you do if I were to tell you? That when God spoke over you, his dream and what he would accomplish through you before you were even formed, that he also factored in your mistakes. He factored in your backslidings. He factored in your failures. And nothing has caught him off guard as of yet. He's not stood in heaven and said, well, wow, I never thought, I never thought she'd do that. That just messes everything up for me. I guess I'm just going to have to start all over. He's factored it all in. And he still died for you. And he still breathed life into you. And he still called you by name. Caleb's faith and courage was as strong as it had been 45 years earlier. Caleb shows us that 85 isn't old if you have a different spirit. Your vision will determine whether you live or die. 
And you have to have something worth living for. There must be something out there that you're still pursuing, that you're still going after. You must have a vision worth living for. Caleb was part of the 17% that didn't live life with an I think or I hope or I feel, but with an I know. And let me wrap this up and then we're closing. This is us. This is us. Because in the month of April, the third week of April in 1971, a man by the name of Anton LaVey visited our city. If you don't know who he is, he's deceased now. But he was the priest of the Satanic Church. And in 1971, he debuted a movie called The Brotherhood of Satan. In two places, he debuted it here in Youngstown. The Boardman Plaza Theater and the Sky High Drive-In. He debuted a movie, The Brotherhood of Satan. There were protesters there that day. And he got so upset that this community didn't embrace it as he thought they should that he cursed Youngstown in 1971. Cursed Youngstown. Cursed it with a curse. A number of years later, a man and his wife and leaders that all had a different spirit. When God was growing their church down the road, God put a place in their heart, not just any place, not just any place. Not, God wasn't random in choosing because places are important. Listen to me, places are important. God made places before he made people. And then he connected people to places. The reason back in, the, in September and August when I was praying, God, is this the place? I wasn't just asking God, is New Life the place? I was asking God, is Youngstown the place? And I've learned that wherever God takes you, depending on your assignment, he gives you authority for that place. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying when I go to D.C. tonight, when I walk around D.C. tomorrow, I'm not pulling down the strong man in D.C. I'm not acting stupid and going after just every principality and spirit in D.C. You know why? Because it's not my place. It's not my, my metron. It's, it's not my place of assignment. It, it, it's like I'm not picking a fight with that strong man. Now, I can join in prayer with those that God has anointed for that purpose. I can pray, but can I tell you where I'm going to pick a fight with a strong man at? Can I tell you what, what strongholds we're toppling that? Can I tell you where we're anointed to do at? Do that at? Here. And as we're faithful with, God will give us. Victory Christian Center, God wants to birth nations through you. The calling on this house is not just a city, it's nations. 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 How do I know that? Because people of a different spirit, when they were called to move their church from down the road, God was strategic. God said, by 
the sky-high drive-in theater where in 1971 a demonic force was unleashed from that property over the city called Brotherhood of Satan. And I want you to build a family of Jesus Christ where the movie Brotherhood of Satan was debuted. And from that place, from that high place, from the place of curse, from the place of damnation, from the place of debauchery and darkness and Satanism and occultism, I want you to build a church. I want you to believe me that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is us. We take enemy hell territory. We take a curse and turn it into a blessing. We go into the enemy's camp and we take back what was stolen. And I want to speak over you here tonight that because we're of a different spirit, while other people's kids are lost and They'll just put up with it and hope that someday. No, 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 no. We're of a different spirit. We know how to pray. We know how to fast. We know how to believe and contend God for our family and our children to come back to Him. Are you ready, Victory Christian Center? <laughs> Honey, come. Stay standing. All of our leaders that help us pray, please come quickly. Men, as our leaders are coming, I want the men to look at me. I want men to look at me. Culture has sanitized your masculinity. You have been beat back. You have been silenced. You have been mocked on television you're slowly losing your identity in a culture that wishes to sanitize you and so there's no longer a sense of fight in us there's no longer this sense of of conquering something in our life Men of Victory Christian Center, listen to me. Sometimes we just need a Caleb in our life, a David in our life, to ask the question, is there not a cause? We don't have to put up with this. We don't have to give in our children. We don't, we don't have to give in. We... There's got to be something in us. There's got to be a war cry. There's got to be some courage. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to fill you once again with His Spirit. That it would put such courage in you and such faith in you that you would believe God again. That you would roll up your sleeve and say, Pastor, where are we going? What giants are we taking on? Let's go after it. Let's believe God for more. If you're here this morning and you need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you. 
in just a few seconds, my wife and I, we're going to bless you. At the end of that blessing, we're going to release you to either continue worshiping in this last song or to come up and receive prayer. If you need prayer in any area of your life, finances, homes, your marriage, your health, maybe you're here and you've not yet made a decision to follow Jesus. Sir, ma'am, what are you waiting for? This is your moment. This is the time. You don't have to be a member of Victory Christian Center to receive prayer. You don't have to be a bad person to receive prayer. We all need prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. So if you need prayer for any reason, at the end of this blessing, you just get out of your seat and you join all the others that will be coming up to receive prayer this morning. My wife and I, we're going to sneak out. We're going to be in the foyer. If we've not never met you, if it's been a long time that we've had a chance to say hello, we'd love to meet you. We'd love to, to get to know you. But keep your eyes open as we bless you today. Friends and family of New Life Church, we bless you. Victory Christian Center. Friends and family of Victory Christian Center. Hey, 10 years was a long time, Bishop. This is us. Your victory. We're victory. And I bless you that the Lord will bless you and keep you. That he caused his face to shine on you. That he'd be gracious to you and give you peace. I bless you to be of a different spirit. To be a part of the prophetic minority that believes God for your family and for your marriage and for your city and for your children and for your church. May you take land. May you conquer and overcome. May you win and not lose. May you go forward and not backward. May God build in you the strength, the courage, and the faith to do great things for Him. I bless you, Victory Family. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Come on, if you need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you today.